0: Welcome to The How of Business with your host, Henry Lopez. The podcast
1: that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here is your host. This is Henry Lopez. Welcome to The How of Business. My guest today is Jordan West. Jordan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Jordan is uh, going to share his entrepreneur journey from being a paramedic to an expert online marketer and his tips and advice for scaling an e-commerce brand. If you want to receive more information about the Howa business, including links to the show notes page, and to receive, or rather to schedule a free coaching session with me, just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996. Jordan West is an entrepreneur who started his career as a paramedic. He's currently the co-owner of Little and Lively Clothing and the owner of Mindful Marketing Co., a marketing agency. When he was 23, he decided to buy a Taco Del Mar restaurant. It's a franchise. He knew he had made a huge mistake at 2 p.m. the first day, as he says, when only three customers had walked in the door, and two of them were his parents. The one thing that he says he was the best at during that restaurant endeavor, however, was the marketing and getting people in the door. Then in 2014, his wife Carmen started a baby clothing line and that uh, she was selling at craft markets. Jordan asked if he could test run some a few ads on Facebooks, and as he says, the rest is history. He learned all of the strategies and tactics, and helped grow this small startup to a multi million dollar company and still growing. That success with marketing then, of course, led Jordan to founding Mindful Marketing Co. to help scale brands, stores, and makers using paid marketing. Jordan lives in is it Abbotsford. That's right. Yeah, At Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. So, Jordan West, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. What a great intro. That's it's uh, maybe the nicest intro I've had on a podcast yet. <laughs> well, it's from your bio. Just cleaned it up a little bit for my purposes. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So, so let's get started on your journey. You you started as, and I believe you still are, a paramedic.
0: I am. Yes, I, I've I've been uh, grappling with actually uh, quitting recently. Uh, just even doing one or two days a month is, is a lot. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely something early on in my career, um, that I was really, really passionate about. Um, and I really do think that it's something that's helped me in my business journey over the years, uh, of being able to handle, um, really tough conversations, Mm. um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, I can't even count the amount of times that I've had to tell somebody that, that our loved one is dead right. um, and and really like enter into that. And so anything in business, a
1: business conversation is pretty easy after that. Yeah, it pales in comparison, right? To, to tell somebody, uh, hey, your business is not going to succeed versus, hey, your family member just passed. That's, that's, that puts it in perspective, certainly, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it yeah.
0: totally does. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's exactly what it does. It, it gives a lot of perspective to the things that we're going through um, in our businesses. No doubt. No doubt.
1: All right. So your first was your first venture, the Taco Del Mar franchise. It was, yes, yes. So I decided to
0: get into business and I thought, oh, I'm going to look on Craigslist and I'm going to find a business to buy. So there was actually a couple of Taco Del Mar's for sale uh, in 2011. And I realized it was because the franchise was actually going through a bankruptcy at the time. Mm. Um, so, but I thought, you know, what? What's, what's the worst case scenario? I think I bought it for like 35,000. It was okay. something like that. Yeah. So like, so, like hardly hardly anything. And I was like, oh, what's the worst case scenario? Like I'm going to lose $35,000. Well, the worst case was actually, I probably lost closer to about 150,000 by the time my five years was over.
1: <laughs> and that's because you, it's the classic thing where not knowing when to cut it off and stop putting more money into it. Totally, totally. Uh, luckily, I was able to to
0: sell it to somebody else who's still running it now okay. um, and is somehow making a go a go of it. But uh, I learned a lot of things uh, from that business. You know, like, like I told you before, we actually tripled the sales. Um, but operationally, we just could not make money. It was just one of those businesses that set up um, the way that our food cost was, uh, we would have probably had to triple the sales from there again to start to really see profit. Um, and so I learned a lot from that, realizing that like I don't want to necessarily be part of that franchise
1: model and and be locked in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great experience, an expensive experience, but a great experience. I I had one down the street where I used to live, and I was a fan of the product. The food was delicious. But I can see where I would have guessed the food cost is what partly kills you or makes it really challenging in that particular model. Because you're serving you know, some seafood and things that, that are expensive, but at the same time, you're trying to compete somewhat on price. So it's got to be a tremendous challenge. Oh, it really was. Yeah. Yeah. So the food cost ended up being about 40%, um,
0: which, which just does not work with a franchise model like that, where you're paying, I believe it was like 11 or 12% to the franchise or itself. Um, so there's, you know, a big part of the margin right there. Yeah. Our rent, I think was, I think it was close to like $6,000 a month, which for a business like that, that's not doing a massive amount of sales is a lot of money.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, no doubt. Right, so uh, your wife then started a a small business, a little and lively clothing. Tell me about that. How did that get started?
0: Yeah, totally. It's it's actually a a great story. So my wife was in fashion design. Um, She was really successful um, in school in fashion design, but at the time she was working as a graphic designer. We had our first um, child, Daphne, and we started to use cloth diapers. So. If anyone out there has used uh, cloth Why? diapers, you'll know it's just, it's just a horrible experience. Uh, we, we have three kids now and we, we cut off those cloth diapers, uh, you know, pretty fast. <laughs> but, uh, but through that journey, uh, she realized that there was no leggings that fit over top of cloth diapers uh, as well as just even regular diapers, right? There wasn't a lot of leggings out there that would actually fit well. And she knew what a good fit, uh, you know, good fitting clothes looked like. And so she thought, oh, I can design this. Like, it's pretty easy for her to, to alter a pattern a little bit, right? So she altered the pattern, made it fit over top of cloth diapers, and started to take it to craft markets. And, uh, and at craft markets, people were just absolutely loving them. Um, fast forward about two months later, we got our first wholesale order and it was about $500 and we're like, oh my gosh. And at this point she's sewing everything herself. Um, it's just leggings at the time. Um, and we actually still to this day work with that same stockist, uh, they're, they're about three hours away from us. And, uh, and that was our first big, uh, wholesale order. Um, after that, uh, I asked her, you know, hey, can we start like trying Facebook ads out. And so we, we were still just really small at the time, I think, at this point, she started to outsource the sewing to a few home sewers in the area. And uh, we would sell out of things like ridiculously fast. Um, hmm. At the time, I think this is 2016 when I started um, Facebook advertising, uh, we were getting a 90 return on ad spend. So a wow. dollar in 90 out, uh, which is just like, you know, you'll Crazy. never see numbers like that again. <laughs> no. yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's uh, you know, where, where we were at that point. Um, and then I started to learn everything that there was to know about digital marketing and, uh, and, uh, now we're a mid seven figure brand. Um, we're actually, we're in the midst of a launch right now. And I think in the first hour we did, uh, we did close to about 70,000 in sales and, uh, and it's just, it's incredible to, to see, you know, what we've been able to do on the e-commerce side, actually building up brands. That's amazing. That's amazing.
1: And so partly because of that early success, you figured, let me start this agency. Well, it's, it's funny because it was really actually a matter of my wife and I working
0: together wasn't really working (laughs) and uh, and it's great. We, we love each other, but like being a husband and wife team just wasn't working for us uh, in particular, especially with our, our staff and like, well, who's in charge. And so I was always really good at the marketing side and terrible at operations. I I really, I'm still terrible at operations and I don't think I'll ever be good at it. (laughs) And so um, people started to ask me like, hey, what are you doing at Little and Lively? Like, how are you guys (laughs) growing this much? And I would just go and consult with them. And I'd actually, generally, I was doing it for free because I just really enjoyed it. And I was like, yeah, this is what you do. And I would show them and nobody would really be able to execute it. And so I thought, well, hey, maybe I'll just start like charging a little amount to, to do this for people. And so I did with all sorts of different industries, people would come to me uh, with that. And I, I was just, it was really, a, I was a glorified freelancer at the time. And uh, and then I brought a business partner on, Sean, and uh, and things really changed um, from there. And we focused, we started to really focus heavily on, on e-commerce because that's really what we knew. Um, and then, like I've said before, fast forward to now where we're, I think there's 13 of us here. Um, and, uh, and my role has changed substantially. It's a lot more strategic, uh, as far as the brands that we bring on. So we work exclusively with, um, with e-commerce brands. I see.
1: So was Sean better at the operations side of things. Totally. Totally. He is like an operations
0: boss. Uh, he (laughs) came from, uh, from, uh, working for shell, um, uh, on their, uh, fueling side, um, and was the operations manager there at an airport and Mm -hmm. just knows how to, uh, put in systems, which I think is really, really important because that's the leverage. Like I talk about leverage all the time, right? Um, for me, I'm really good at leveraging um, relationships, right? And finding people who are a lot better than me at, at things. Um, for him, he's really good at leveraging systems, um, especially uh, within the agency um, so that we've been, been able to grow and take on more clients and do really continue to do really good work. Because I think that's one thing that suffers as agencies get bigger is, um, you know, they bring on junior people and they're not able to do uh, good work for clients. Um, and so I th- believe, you know, with the systems that we've put in place, we've been able to scale that way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. And I appreciate you sharing the, the challenges of working with your spouse, because that's a, a challenge a lot of small business owners encounter. Now, obviously, we go into it in a honeymoon phase thinking, oh, we're going to figure this out. When you hear other people say now they're going to work with their spouse. And by the way, I work with mine and we were able to figure it out. So it works for some, doesn't work for others. What are some things to look for that you help others now to help them anticipate whether it will or won't work? Is there anything you can kind of look at to anticipate that?
0: Yeah, totally. I think one of the big uh, things that I would say is, is, you know, be in different areas, right? Like uh, I think co-running a business, um, I don't think it works in general, like having co CEOs, um, to me, I really like to be able to look to one person to make those big decisions. And so that that's really worked out super well for us that I'm still heavily involved in the business and I'm the CMO, um, over there. And so people don't look to me to make the CEO like decisions there. Um, and I think that that's really important, um, is to just really define your roles. And for us, I mean, to be like super transparent, you know, what's really helped for us is counseling (laughs) And working through like with third party, uh, you know, business coaches and, and really making sure that that um, communication is there. Um, Because at the end of the day, our relationship is way more important than, than our business or our, 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 you know, bottom line profit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think two, two huge things are the communication part I've found is huge. And then delineation of who does what, who's in charge. And I agree that that applies not just for spouses, but, but any partner that you go into business with.
0: It's, it's very true because it's, uh, it's very similar issues that we had, um, over here with my business partner where, um, we just needed to make sure we knew who, and and we're still at it as we grow, especially, and, Mm -hmm. and we figure out the organization, um, like who goes, where, where do our employees need to go and what is the line of, um, of fire. Right. Um, so that we're not stepping on toes. And that's very difficult as you're growing, especially as we've gotten over 10 employees, um, I used to be able to go in and solve every problem and that is not the case anymore. I just can't solve those problems. And so they need to go to the right person.
1: Yeah. Do you prefer to work with a partner?
0: I do. I do. So after taco Mar, I had a, a silent partner in my dad there, um, but didn't feel that sort of support that I needed um, in the, on the execution side um, because I'm not a huge executor. Um, I'm really good at getting other people to do things and so uh, that's for me why I really need a partner because I I realized that like I just can't do everything um, myself. I'm just not skilled in all areas. And I think um, taking um, strength finders uh, really helped me with that and realized like oh man like my strengths are not in execution at all. Um, and so since I've done that and and realized that about myself, um, bringing in
1: partners is something I do with every business venture that we're looking at. Yeah, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. I, I lean towards working with partners as well for, for some similar reasons. When did you know you wanted to be your own boss? Oh man, I've always
0: wanted to, to be my own boss and always wanted to work uh, for myself. Even before um, being a paramedic, uh, I actually ran a painting company. Um, and, uh, and, and, and actually interestingly, being a paramedic, you don't really have a boss either. Um, it's ve- you're very much on your own, uh, which, which I really love. Um, but yeah, ever since I was really young, I always wanted, uh, to be my own, uh, boss and, and always had that really like entrepreneurial, um, kind of drive. And, and I think that there's like a dark side to that too, where I just don't like to listen to other people. Right. (laughs) It's, and I think that a lot of entrepreneurs out there probably have that same sort of feeling where you just want to be the one making the decisions, whether they're good or bad. Right. I just want to be the
1: one that's in charge of my own destiny. What does it do for you now? What does what, what being a business owner do for you now? Well, I, th- I think it's really freedom, right?
0: Um, and it's freedom for me to be, be able to make my own decisions and really be in charge of, of, of my life. Like um, I've made a really conscious effort and I think COVID had a lot to, to do with this. I've made a conscious effort to um, spend as much time as I can with my kids. I've got three little kids and I already realized like how quick they're growing up. Um, so I generally only work nine to two, um, every day I take an hour lunch. And, uh, if I can't get my work done in that time, then I've got too much, um, Mm -hmm. executional kind of work and I need to hire somebody, um, to, to do the rest because it's really that to me is, is wealth, right. Is being able to, um, pick my schedule, uh, and, and then hire people to do
1: the rest. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That makes a lot of sense. All right Jordan we'll we'll start to segue and do a little deeper dive here now on scaling an e-commerce brand something you said a moment ago I think might be a good place to start where you say that you were helping people on the side but they mostly struggled with executing why is that why have you found that business owners struggle with executing on the marketing side Well, marketing is really interesting because I don't think that everybody can do
0: marketing. I think that it does take a certain kind of, of person to be able to figure out how to sell things, right? Sale. I, I really believe that sales and marketing are very much linked, um, together, uh, especially with e-commerce, right? You need to figure out how to interest people enough to come to your website. And I don't think that everybody has that same, um, marketing drive, which is why I believe that there is still a place in this world, um, for marketing agencies who know what they're doing. Um, That, that to me is why I think that people, first of all, some of the platforms are still pretty complex, even though Google has, has been dumbed down quite a bit. It's still very complex if you don't know what you're doing. Um, and I think that's the, it's very intimidating for new business owners who know that they need to run paid media, um, but they don't know where to put their money and you can waste money so fast on the platforms if you don't know what you're doing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's so many factors that come into play there, Jordan. First of all, there's a lot of people out there willing to take our money <laughs> for how yeah. much results. Uh, and it's a it's a moving target. That's the thing that is so frustrating when I talk to small business owners and even for myself. It, you don't just learn it and now you're good to go. It's a continuous thing. I don't have to tell you that. But then it also, I think, touches on what we were talking about a moment ago, which is what are you good at? And just because you're good at, let's say, designing the clothes and and even the merchandising of it doesn't necessarily mean you've got the skill set for the marketing piece of it. And then this very specialized application of marketing, which is online marketing. Totally, totally. It's it's one of those things that um,
0: you can definitely um, teach, but there's hundreds of hours that go into it. I've been doing this so long now that that, and my wife hasn't touched any of this sort of stuff that we actually, we run a, an e-commerce mastermind with um, seven and eight figure sellers and, uh, and she's in the group and she's like, I don't know half the terms you guys are talking about when you're talking yeah. about marketing because she doesn't do it. <laughs> and that's, and I think that's totally fine. I think as a CEO um, and, uh, and even just a founder of a company, you don't necessarily need to know everything, mm-hmm. um, but you need to know. Uh, whether somebody's doing a good job or not.
1: Yeah. You need to know the metrics and we'll get into that. But I think you've, you've hit it exactly, which is it has become so specialized, so complex that it's no longer realistic that as the owner, I can be doing the things I need to be doing as an owner and also be the marketing expert. Pretty hard to do those two things at the same time. It it really is. Yeah. And you need to focus on
0: where your leverage is most.
1: Yeah. All right, let's do a little bit deeper dive then on Little and Lively. Before you got involved doing the Facebook ads, tell me again, what what type, what size company were we talking about here, more or less? Oh, before we started, I mean, it was probably like, you know, we were probably happy doing like $50,000 a
0: year in in all of our revenue, right? Like, we probably considered that awesome. And it was and at the time, I think it was actually like a good little extra revenue source for us mm-hmm. uh, until we really thought like, hey, this could be a real company. Um,
1: yeah. And so the, you talk about the, the 250,000 of e-commerce sales in 24 hours. And that was early days, right? When you were able to have that kind of success in such a short period of time. So that was actually that, that particular
0: story was actually from this year. Uh, So, so yeah, so, so we did this, this
1: launch and do do you mind if I get into sort of the mechanics, like the, the tactical side of it? Yeah, because I think this, this might also tie to some of the ways that you do these launches, right? Exactly.
0: Exactly. So, so with this particular launch um, we we call them gated launches. So what we do is um, we have a VIP group on Facebook and on SMS. And so we treat that list really um, importantly, Um, people have to request to join the VIP group and to join when they join the VIP group, they get early access to certain launches. And so this particular launch was our fall winter launch. Um, people were really looking forward to it for about two weeks before we had pumped it up and we said, okay, VIPs will get two hours early access to this launch. So we shut the website down for 24 hours before, um, to get everything ready. And then we password protect the site. Uh, and then right at 10, at 10 AM, we gave them early access by giving them the password. So they have to actually, first of all, make a little micro commitment by entering a password to get into the site and then they get to shop. So for two hours, only people with the password could shop. And in those first two hours, we did about 120,000 um, wow. of sales.
1: Okay, a couple of clarifications, SMS is text. Yes,
0: sorry, yes, guess, yes. Because so, in the States, uh,
1: yeah. mostly we, we, we don't use that term. I know what it means technically, but uh, you're meaning you're, so you have a group of people that have subscribed through text because that's how they want to get notified that uh, this launch is about to happen. Totally, yeah. And so, so text messaging is
0: really, really interesting in the e-commerce space right now because it, not everybody likes getting text messages. Right? It's a little bit of a different thing than email. Like you can't not open a text message.
1: Right. Right. right? It you're, feels you're a lot, lot more intrusive. A lot more intrusive. Like I've been getting as we're recording this, we're going through the election in the states, and I am getting bombarded by text messages which I have not given anybody permission to do so. But I think because we opened them, we feel that much more offended if somebody sends us us one that we don't want. Yeah. Totally. So you need to, like with text messaging, you need to be very, very clear about
0: how many text messages you're going to send out. You need to be very clear that they have now opted in to receive text messages from you. And in every single message, we make sure to let people know to reply, stop. Uh, If they don't want to get a text message. So our, our unsubscribe rate is only about 0.3 when we send out a text message, which to me is just is less than email even.
1: Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, Okay. So uh, I'm sorry to derail you. So the ad campaign on Facebook ads in this case, was that to get people to join the VIP group?
0: Yeah, totally. So for the two weeks before we're getting people to join the SMS list, the VIP group, mm-hmm. um, letting them know that they're going to be able to get early access that way. Um, but this launch, I mean, even with 120,000 in the first two hours, we still did another 130,000 afterwards from people who weren't VIPs. Interesting. Um, so, so the word really got out there about this launch. Um, and, and that made a, a massive, um, uh, just a massive difference for us
1: for, for this launch. So are these gated launches using and in in combination with these VIP groups, you feel like that is definitely what's working right now in the e-commerce space? I I do. I I think that doing them too often um,
0: would... Would lower their efficacy. Sure, but it's like the,
1: the, it turns into the blue light sale, like Kmart, for those of you who are old, old enough to know what the heck that means. <laughs> we, we used to have this discount chain of stores in the U.S. called Kmart, and there was always a special, right? Always a sale, and so that loses its its um, its effectiveness, right? Yeah, totally. So we actually just recently did another gated launch last Friday, and then
0: we had a big launch today that we did not gate. Um, and just because we didn't want people to think that, oh, we're going to do this every single time. Um, we're, we're going to do this early access. This time we decided to just kind of release it to everybody at the same time. Still uh, our launches, what we've done over the years is train our customers to know that we will sell out of certain items. And so you better buy right away. (laughs) <laughs> and uh and i think that's that's the big thing i think that's led to a lot of our success and our higher conversion rate than normals that people know hey it could be here right now but it's probably going to be gone tomorrow or or within the next couple
1: hours so it's that great motivator of scarcity and it's a real scarcity right real, it's, it's not, not just a made-up fake, scarcity fake... right it's not like hoarding diamonds this is because these are limited run items that you have for sale Totally. And we make everything in our
0: hometown here. Um, so we, we can't produce as much as we could if we were trying to produce overseas. But again, that's one of our core values is um, producing local. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not, so even though we could probably this year scale to eight figures, if we had the inventory um, it's against our core values. Like we yeah. really put that above, um, above money.
1: But that's, that's at the heart of why this works. I have to believe Jordan, because people, buy into that. They believe that about your brand. You've been consistent with that promise about your brand. So they do not believe that they're being tricked here on the fake scarcity of these items. And that's kind of be all part of why it works. I got to think. I think so. Somebody
0: asked on the VIP group yesterday, like, do you guys plan on selling out every time? Like, do you plan on selling out early? And we answered like, no, we never plan on selling out early. We don't actually realize that the demand is as high as it is. Uh, we, we try our best to, to be able to forecast, uh, as well as we can, but we don't know what's going to sell until we act until people actually put the money down. Right. People can say like, Oh, I love that. I love that. But until people actually start buying it, we can't reorder, um, with confidence, right? Because there's a lot of money that goes into apparel. Um, you know, we're, we're always a season behind, always having to put in at least 500 to $700,000 into each season, um, if, if not more as we're scaling. Um, so it's a lot of, there's a lot of commitment there. Uh, and that's why our manufacturing model seems to work really well.
1: Yeah, yeah, a lot of some cost there you have to be very careful with. This is Henry Lopez, briefly interrupting this episode to invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner myself, I understand the challenges you are experiencing and often it's about helping you ask the right questions to help you make progress towards achieving your goals. Whether it's getting started with your first business growing your existing small business, I can help you get there. To find out more about my business coaching services and to schedule your free coaching session, just visit thehowabusiness.com or simply text the word bizcoach, that's B-I-Z coach, to 31996. All right, so what had to be, in the case that we're keeping with the example of Little and Lively, what was there before you started this was already a level of a following? Like what kind of a list did she have already that we're following, actively following Little and Lively?
0: Like before we started running Facebook ads, we were probably up to about 5,000 Instagram followers. Uh, it wasn't huge, right? But people really liked the aesthetic and they really liked the clothing. I don't even think we had an email list at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. we've, we've learned all of that over the years, right? Of Building up uh, all of these different assets um, that really have a lot of value um, within them. Um, but yeah, she, you know, before we really got started, it was just Instagram, right. That it got yeah. built on and, and Etsy actually at the time too, is what we were selling through before we, uh, created our first Shopify store.
1: What, what worked, uh, initially as far as building the email list and the SMS list, the text list, what, what, what worked to get that list started anyway?
0: it's to be honest, it's just discounts, right? Giving people a little discount or some sort of incentive to join. Um, Now we've gone well beyond discounts where we're giving people incentive to actually be able to purchase the product early, Mm -hmm, right. right. To join the lists. That to me is, is actually like a great evolution of our, of our brand. And I believe it's, it, it speaks volumes to the what the brand is, is really worth um, because of that.
1: Yeah. So you don't have to discount a lot. People want this. You've built up enough of an audience that is excited to participate as part of these gated or early launches. I mean, that psychologically has worked forever, right? I mean, the big chains do this. Neiman does this where they do their, for their their best shoppers, they do these early events. We all love feeling like we're part of this privileged group that gets to premiere something, right?
0: Yeah, totally. We're we're not by any means creating anything new by doing this. I think we're just repurposing this for uh, e-commerce.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's very clever the way you replied here. What I'm saying is that what you've tapped into is that psychology that exists in all of us that we like being part of it, especially, like I said, if we really do buy into the authenticity of the brand.
0: Yes, yes, totally. I don't think it would work if we weren't if we weren't an authentic brand i don't think it would work the same sort of way i think people would see through it as just another sales tactic or a I think so because tactic. because
1: i just find jordan that the the consumer now certainly the online consumer is so much more savvy that simple gimmicks and tricks and trying to fool people it it i don't see that it works effectively or very for very long i should say
0: no, no, it it doesn't. It doesn't because people are are smart. We've been on social media for how many years now? Twelve years or so with Facebook, uh, MySpace before that. <laughs> um, Where you know everyone's bombarded by pop-ups and this and that, and they they get it now, right? Yeah. People don't get tricked nearly as easily as they did before. So you have to build an authentic brand.
1: All right. If I uh, let's come off of uh, little and lively for a moment. If I've got a brand new shop that I'm launching. Therein lies that struggle, right? How do I get fine? How do I get found rather needle in the haystack kind of thing? What are some of the thoughts, tips, things you recommend uh, for your clients to get started with developing that following? Well, I think making sure that you, that people actually want to buy your product before you
0: start pumping money into, um, paid ads, I think is really, really important. So being able to, um, to find out that people like, like that you have a product market fit. Um, So going to, to friends, family, going to markets, that's why markets were great um, pre-COVID because you could go there and see like, Hey, is this product actually moving um, right now? Um, Getting your messaging down, figuring out um, whether people actually want to buy the product or not. And then I'd say the next step after that is actually putting a little bit of money into it um, and testing out your uh, target market that you figured out, Um, with your product research. Um, And then it's just testing, right? So uh, I really, truly believe that um, paid marketing uh, is really still, uh, it has a place in those early stages once you know um, your target demographic and you have an offer
1: that people actually want. Mm -hmm. So starting, you know, an MVP or pilot or market starting small, validating that, learning from that, adjusting. And, and then progressing, which is, again, one of the beautiful things about an e-commerce type store or platforms is it really allows you to do that versus going and leasing a 5,000 square foot space somewhere, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, so exactly. That, that's inherent and that, that's what gives, that gives us this ability to start small and iterate, right? Yes. Yes, for sure. Which is, which is really, really important so that you're not going
0: to, you know, dump all of your life savings into something that may not potentially, people may not potentially want to purchase.
1: Yeah. You've done a couple of, or maybe more episodes on your podcast about what's working now in e-commerce marketing. Uh, Is Facebook still uh, one of your preferred platforms to, to market an online e-commerce business?
0: Totally. I, I mean, I would love to come to you with, you know, some brand new platform that's, you know, doing incredible things. That's going to beat Facebook, but Facebook is really uh, the ultimate platform right now. If you have a good offer, you can, you can open up um, if, sorry, if you have a good offer and you have enough um, data to feed into Facebook, you can open up your targeting like wide open in the United States and uh, Facebook will find you people to purchase your product mm-hmm. Enough it's really data, like
1: enough data to feed in meaning to be able to create audiences and look alike audiences and those kind of things. Exactly. Exactly. So
0: for, for newer brands, Facebook ads is not going to work nearly as well. Actually, right. interestingly for, for our agency, we uh, we started running uh, a few ads a little while ago and we were running them as conversion ads, but we didn't have enough data to actually feed into Facebook mm-hmm. to tell them who, who they need to go after. And so our costs were, like I've never seen costs so high. And so being a marketing agency, we were able to diagnose that really quickly. Right. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, if you don't feed it, feed Facebook enough data, Facebook will not be kind to you and to your brand. Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, um, we talked about it at the outset, KPIs. You talk about it a lot. Again, you've talked about this on your podcast quite a bit. From an e-commerce store perspective, there's a few that you talk about, obviously purchases, but you talk about return on ad spend (ROAS). Just introduce that. How you calculated and, and what I should be looking for there.
0: Yeah, that, that's a really good question. So, in e-commerce, the number you're always looking at with when you're when you're running paid media is return on ad spend. So, for every dollar in, how many dollars am I getting out of this, right? So, ROAS is different than return on investment, right? Return mm-hmm. on investment takes all of your. Um, Uh, all of your costs uh, into play. Whereas this is just, I put a dollar into marketing and how many dollars do I get out? So uh, when you're looking at at different industries for return on ad spend and and average numbers, um, I would say two is sort of that magic number where you're actually starting to make money. So you put a dollar in and you get $2 out, right? Um, that's that's when you can actually start to scale. Now, numbers that, that we've seen, so with Little and Lively over uh, all of this time, our return on ad spend is just over seven. So a wow. dollar in, $7 out. And that's why we've been able to scale so much. But even if your return on ad spend is three, uh, you're beating wholesale, right? So if you decide to to sell to wholesalers, you're generally going to have to discount 50%. Right. So that would be a return on ad spend of two would be the the same equivalent as selling wholesale. So if you're comfortable selling wholesale, you should be comfortable getting a two return on ad spend.
1: How do I measure this though? Because that's, that's the tricky thing of how do I measure conversion? And so just, just educate me on that at a high level, how you guys do it to accurately be able to measure this. Yeah, there's, there's a few different ways. So Facebook has their own attribution,
0: right? So they attribute um, purchases. Now their attribution model is a 28 day click and one day view attribution. That's their, um, their standard attribution model. So that means that if somebody within the last 28 days clicked on your ad and went to your website, um, their Facebook is going to take um, credit for that particular purchase. That, that, that's not really a great attribution model. So there's a there's a few different ways to to figure this out. Um, One is actually just doing post purchase surveys, right and asking people like, hey, where did you hear about us? Um, Because lots of times, actually, what we found is that Facebook actually doesn't get enough credit for that, because somebody will see an ad, and then return to your website the next day, um, and type the URL in. Um, so, so it's very difficult to find um, somebody who's going to tell you definitively um, how you, uh, you know, how well the the platforms actually um, performed. What I like, and it's ve- it's pretty old school, is I look at how much money I spent throughout the day and how much money I brought in. <laughs> and that's and that's really like a very rudimentary calculation, mm-hmm. but I know that without paid ads, I'm not going to be bringing in nearly w- what I would be. So I'll look at Google, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok. I'll look at the combined ad spend there and then just look and see revenue wise what we did. And yes, there's gonna be a bunch of assisting conversions in there with uh, text messages and with email and with messenger. Um, but really at the end of the day, what I'm concerned with is making profit. Right. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's the calculation that I'll use is yeah, like, great. So I spent a thousand dollars
1: and I made 10,000. Know, thanks for sharing that, that great rule of thumb there also, but, but on Facebook to, to really set up that conversion for it, for Facebook, we able to track the conversion for you. It ties back to what you said at the outset about the technical aspects of this. I got to have all of that set up uh, at the checkout and make sure technically my website is feeding that back to Facebook. Otherwise, a conversion would just be somebody goes to my page, but that doesn't necessarily mean they buy, right? So it gets pretty technical there to set this up to actually accurately track conversions, right? It, it does. Now, the
0: good news is that uh, if you're on a platform like Shopify, they do all of that for you. So okay. all you have to do okay. is put your pixel ID in and You'll then they set up. The I see. Yeah, then they set up all of those tracking um parameters around there. But if you start to move over to other platforms like TikTok and Snapchat, you actually have to manually um, put that code in. And mm-hmm. so um, I highly recommend getting somebody, just, just have, if you're in e-commerce, get somebody um, that you can trust to be able to put that code in because you can definitely, um, even
1: on Shopify, uh, you can screw your website up. Yeah. Any kind of, uh, going back to the Facebook VIP group's and these gated launches, where do I need to be followers list wise for that to start to make sense? Any thoughts there? Yeah, I think that you can start a VIP group anytime. Um,
0: I think that um, gathering people all together who really love your brand does amazing things for your brand. So even if it's a hundred people, right? um, I would start a VIP group immediately and invite people to it. The way that we invite people to it is after they've made their first purchase, we send them a personalized video. Um, and then invite them to come be part of the VIP group. And that's, okay. that's
1: the main way that we get people in. Yeah, love that. All right. Another rule of thumb before we, we kind of move out of the detail here is the other thing that I'm challenged with, and I'm sure you help people with is that, that marketing budget when I'm getting lodged. So I've just started my shop. How much do I spend or should I ballpark be spending on the marketing, on the paid marketing? Yeah, that's a really, really great question. And
0: my my rule of thumb is figure out how much you can afford to spend per purchase, right? So what is that break-even point for you? Um, and how much can you afford to spend to acquire that customer? So uh, if your product costs, you know, costs you $5 and you're selling it for 20 Um, technically I guess you have $15 if you want to break even on that customer and, and figuring, figuring that number out rather than a percentage of your revenue, um, Mm. that comes later. And and I, I highly recommend spending at least 10% once you're in the, the seven figure kind of range, but before that spend as much as you
1: can to acquire a customer while still breaking even. Okay, with the idea being that that's, that's where all this money is going to get reinvested, if you will, is that I'm going to take all of that up to break even and reinvest it to continue to build my following. Exactly, exactly. So, and then and then at that point, hopefully you've got products that
0: people want to purchase over and over again, so you don't have to spend that kind of money yet. Oh, right. At our agency, we, we joke around that we're the Facebook ads agency that gets you off of Facebook ads, because we really want people whose products um, will continue to sell afterwards. Like, like the launch that we did this morning, we're um, you know, we didn't spend a dime on Facebook ads today on, on this launch at all because it's all people who already know and love our product. I'm sure the returning customer rate is like 90%. That's huge. Huge.
1: Okay. We'll start to segue out of that and talk a little bit more about the services that you offer. But I'm curious, when you first start with a client, where, where do you usually start? What what uh, what does the conversation look like at a high level that you start with with the new client?
0: Yeah, yeah. Thanks for asking. That's that's great. So when people come into mindful marketing, um, the first thing that happens is we have a quick conversation with them about a 15-minute chat to see, uh, first of all, if if it seems like a fit cultural-wise. Um, cultural, cultural wise. Um, Then we'll go into revenue and, and all of that sort of stuff, and we'll look at where people want to be Uh, sorry, where they are and then where they want to be. Um, And if that phone call goes well, then what we do is uh, it's called a mini growth plan. And we'll look at all of the ads that they're running now. And if they're not running ads, then we won't look at that. And then we'll look at where we actually think that they should be and what they should be doing. And we'll come up with a plan for them Um, which leads really well into us being able to execute that plan Mm -hmm. Um, or they can actually just take that plan and and go use it. So that's the one thing that we actually do for free because um, we want to bring a lot of value um, to people um, that way. And then if everything looks good there, um, then we'll actually talk about some services that we can help people on. But before that, before we do the discovery, and I think I learned from being in in the medical field, it's like, you know, every good doctor asks a million questions, right, and then prescribes, right. Um, And, and anyone who's, you know, been in sales for a long time knows that that is, that is what you need to do um, because it actually serves the customer the best. It's not some sales trick, right? It's just really actually getting to know what the actual problem is so that
1: you can prescribe something that's gonna work. Yeah, that's great stuff. All right, I know you've got uh, an e-commerce growth tool uh, on the website, tell us about that. Yeah, so this is actually just if, if somebody wants to apply um, for
0: a free e-commerce growth plan, um, we've, we've got a, a URL for that. It's mindfulmarketing.co growthplan slash growth plan dash apply kind of not the best URL in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, if, if you want um, to apply uh, for one of those growth plans um, that is where you can do it. And then we'll set up a quick call, like I said before. Um, so that's something that we want to be able to give um, for free, just to give a lot of value um, to people. Great, great stuff.
1: And in your podcast, I can find that anywhere I listen to podcasts, right? As well as your website. Anywhere,
0: yes. Yes, it's called Secrets to Scaling Your E-Commerce Brand. Uh, we've had some awesome, awesome interviews uh, with really big up-and-coming brands, uh, movement watches, uh, thread wallets, just lots of of brands that are doing some really, really cool things. Um, and, and I've learned so much from, uh, from these brands. And actually, lots of them are in our uh, e-commerce
1: mastermind as well. That's great. Yeah. A lot of great content there. I enjoyed listening to it as I was preparing for this interview. So thanks for sharing that. All right, we'll start to wrap it up. Is there a book I'm always curious and looking for a book recommendations, a book that you would recommend to us?
0: Yeah. I'm sure that, that this has been said on your podcast before, but uh, profit first is uh, really a life changing book um, for me with any of uh, the businesses that we run uh, by Michael Michalowicz. Just, uh, just an absolute, uh, I, I don't know any other word than life changing because we went from not really knowing, you know, we went from looking back on our finances and then being like, oh, it looks like we can take a little bit of profit to actually planning for profit in everything that we do, uh, which has allowed us to grow a bo- like both of the main businesses that we've that we've had have grown because of profit first and knowing where our money is actually going and our money having a job to do.
1: Yeah, I love that book. I had the privilege of having Michael on the show not too long ago. And I agree for me, it was also when I read his book a couple of years ago. It's actually it's been more than that. It changed the way I do planning for my business as it was so impactful for me. He's just an incredible person. I'd recommend all of his books. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Right. Well, thank you for that recommendation. So let's wrap it up, Jordan. What's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation we had about scaling an e-commerce brand.
0: Yeah. I think the one thing I want people to take away is that um, start with scaling in mind, right? Is this idea that you have um, scalable Um, and, and, and then on the opposite side of that is what are some things that you can be doing to grow your business that aren't scalable? So for us, that's video reach outs, right? Mm. Um, we actually send personalized videos to every single person who purchases, which is very, very hard to scale. But uh, but I believe that that sort of stuff that that isn't scalable is what helps businesses scale.
1: Which when you're looking at a business to determine if it is scalable, what's a question that comes to mind that you ask to help determine that? Well, yeah, I mean, we're, we're in heavy acquisition mode right now with our clothing company, looking at other
0: brands in the, in the baby space. And so this is something I look at all the time. I look at conversion rate. Uh, That's a huge one, right? So how many percentage of people that come to the website are purchasing? If it's low, if it's below one, that is not a business that I want to be, a part of because it's not resonating, right? It's, it's, it's validating that
1: people, enough people want this stuff.
0: Totally. And, and the amount of people that come to the website um, I don't care if it's, you know, only a hundred people a day, but if, if, you know, five of them are purchasing awesome, they've done a really good job of being
1: able to, of, of validating the product. Conversely, if it takes a million people and you only get so many buys, that's too much effort to try to sell whatever this is. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Love it. All right. Tell us again where you want us to go online to find out more.
0: Yeah. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, uh, that's a big place um, where, where I spend a lot of time. So if you just search for Jordan West, I believe it's Jordan-West-Marketer. Um, and then uh, on the marketing side, mindfulmarketing.co, uh, if you want to check us out there. Um, I, I just, I love to chat. I love to have conversations Um, with people about e-commerce. And uh, it's really, really a passion of mine to see other people thrive because I know what it's like to be on the brink uh, of, of bankruptcy and then turn that around.
1: Yeah. I appreciate that, Jordan. And thanks for taking the time to chat with us today and sharing your knowledge. Yeah, this was an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Enjoyed it and got a lot of great takeaways, which is always what I'm looking for. This is Henry Lopez, and thanks for listening to this episode of The Howa Business. My guest today, again, was Jordan West. We release new episodes every Monday morning. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and at our website, thehowabusiness.com, or just text the word biz, B-I-Z, to 31996 to receive more information. Thanks for listening.